Okay. Well, um, I'm Corey. And I'm Woody. And I'm Ojita from the other Congo. <laughs> and this is the ISOCast. Hi, Ajita. Hello, Cory. Hello, world. I'm here with Woody. Uh, day, what is this? Week six? Who's counting? Uh, I don't know. I, I lost track. I don't. I don't even know, Ajita. Are you? <laughs> the Congo, but yes. not that one. The other one. The what's, other one. What's what's the first one that people are thinking of? Not the not the one that you are thinking, Corey. It's the other one. What? Wait, there's two Congos. Exactly. So I had a package sent from my brother. It was it was a skirt that I had not picked up from the tailor for two years. And he wrote with the address South Africa, because that's what the world knows. Africa, there's a North Africa and there's a South Africa. From there, it went to Congo. Which Congo? The Congo where I don't live. So I still don't have the package. It's been a year and uh, I'm in the other Congo. Uh, Congo Brazzaville. <laughs> I am terribly fascinated that we live in a world now where the the best way to explain to people in North America that there are two Congos is uh, via like a delivery system. There's a package that I expected to receive <laughs> and it went somewhere else. And whenever I'm seeing civil, video, civil war videos from Kinshasa, I'm expecting some woman to be wearing my skirt. And I'm still looking for that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna—I'm not gonna sound smart. I actually Googled it. So, uh, and I still have no really no real idea. It's the Democratic Republic of Congo, and then just Congo. Is that correct? That's what the so map says. Is, so, guys, we were the Congo first. It was desire. Then they thought, you know, it's a colonial name. So let's switch it to. Congo sounds easy. We'll just pick it up from the other side of the river. We were Republic of the Congo from the beginning. They were Zai, and then they became Democratic Republic of Congo. Original, uh -huh. right? And uh, for ease, it's Congo Kinshasa. The other one, the main one that has diamonds and Highlands Mountain gorillas and things like that. And your skirt. Yeah, and we are Congo Brazzaville. I, I don't know if that I, I don't know if this clarifies things for me, and it might be because I just woke up. <laughs> it could be <laughs> because it's early in in Canada. Um, okay, so there's the hmm. Mm -hmm. So which which is the Congo? Like grammatically, both. You have both. to put the in front of Congo in both the countries. It is Republic of the Congo and Democratic Republic of the Congo. Have, do, are they aware of each other? Have they yeah. talked about this? Uh, no. Okay. Which one is the, the heart of darkness? Which, is, which one is that? The, the Congo. So before the coming here, I tried to do my research to come here. And uh, all the books and all the resources that are available are of the other Congo. So nobody cares about this one. Hmm. Do you ever imagine that the other Congo thinks that you guys are the heart of darkness? 
we should discuss this very soon. I have a feeling you are right. <laughs> isn't there in what do you, you you follow sports ball? Isn't in Canada still there are like for example two teams called the Rough Riders? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, I think actually Ottawa changed their name, but there were two Canadian football teams with the same name. There's only eight teams, so yeah. Okay, that makes it easier for me to understand, sadly. <laughs> there's there's a big, uh, big, no pun intended, big elephant in the room here. What what brought you to the Congo? <laughs> it was uh, the sheer exhaustion from all the big cities and working in communication and media is really stressful. And once upon a time, it was the newspapers. But then I switched to digital publishing and I was working in one of the biggest, uh, with the biggest digital publishers in New Delhi. And it just occurred to me one evening when I was stuck in the traffic for two and a half hours for a 10 kilometer distance and my left knee was giving up and it was raining and what I entered my car and I could see sparks. In, in front of my car and I was like, I cannot do this anymore. I did not sign up for this. And I just wanted to really, really recoil and withdraw, but not become a hermit, but do maybe the same thing purposefully with the choice. So of course, uh, there are New Yorks and Londons and New Delhis of the world, uh, which, which have this electricity and I love to uh, thrive off that, but then there is this uh, 50% introvert inside me who wants to just come back and have the, the silence and uh, the quiet and not the chaos. The only places where I could go out in big cities were the malls and for sad. Um, and this was one of the opportunities that I could uh, pick. And uh, that's when I made the choice. And it was a difficult choice because the company that I was trying to leave they tried to keep me with very tempting offers and it kept getting difficult. And I think that made it easy because I was really, really clear on uh, what choice I was making. Does, does one become a hermit anymore? What do, you, do you know any hermits? Like I knew a guy in high school. Oh yeah, what happened to him? He's a hermit. Like an actual hermit? Yeah, like a hermit. Because lots of people say that they're a hermit, but they're not because you see them. They're out. They, right. You know, they might not be out a lot, but that's not, they're not really hermits. Do I know a hermit? I don't think so. I might, but I've never seen one. In in New Delhi, do folks still become like straight up a hermit? You're, this dude's a hermit now. Uh, it's not possible in a big city like that because you end up uh, going out for your supplies and uh, given to peer pressure once in a while. Uh, and then you... You know, there's something called ego fatigue when people are throwing you that option a million times and you keep saying no and then one time you go out and say yes and then you regret it because it drains you or it puts you not out of your comfort zone, but something you didn't choose. Right. Mm -hmm. I've thrust myself into a lot of social situations that I didn't want to do and I've almost every time found that it was worth it and enjoyable. And I don't know if that's because of, uh, you know, some sort of heightened anxiety or I'm not going to self-diagnose on my second cup of coffee, but I sometimes this is what's been the case. It's like when folks want me to do something and every single cell in my body resists this idea and then I do it anyway, I somehow talk myself into it, I 
thoroughly enjoy whatever happened. I don't know if that's the case for you or if even that's really the case for me. It's early. You've had two cups of coffee already? I'm on my second. Jeez. <laughs> is this the earliest you guys have ever recorded a podcast? This is the earliest I've ever done most things except for catch a flight. <laughs> and you don't have to be awake for that. That's for sure. No, I mean, except for the days that we all lived in, in Costa Rica where we had class at uh, 7 a.m. Those were the days. Those were the days. What, just out of curiosity, what was the earliest you guys had to get up for for class? I think I did, I think it was 5.15. Same for me. It was a 6 o'clock class, and I've forgotten where, but uh, there, and uh, it, it was 5 a.m. that I had to get up. You, you all got to sleep in. <laughs> my, my first year was 4.30 every morning, oh. and because there was no hot water, I had to get up at 4.30 so that I could boil a small pot of water in order oh. to shave. And then catch my three buses to work. So <laughs> by the time 7 a.m. rolled in, I'm halfway through my day. It was great. Speaking of isolating, didn't you live up, you lived up in the hills or something, didn't you, in your first couple of couple of months or years in Costa Rica? Like, like a hermit, like a hill person? Like a hermit hill person. No, I lived in um, San Joaquin de Flores de Heredia. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> and it was a beautiful little community, but the problem was uh, it it required that I take kind of a V-shaped pattern to work at that time because there was no direct bus. Though, if you looked at it, this is not interesting to anyone, but put it on a map and see what I had to do bus-wise and then look at the direct route, it would make you cry every day. <laughs> go, all I need to go is from here to here, but I have to go all the way through here. Um, the, the decision point for me, as with a lot of teachers doing ESL abroad, is after your morning classes, do you go home mm -hmm. before your evening class oh, and catch yeah. a nap? <laughs> because if it's another three buses home and another three buses back, your nine bus rides in before you get to your evening class, is it worth it? It's seven too many, really. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> so in, in the Congo... What what does this this isolation look like? Or does it even look like anything at this point? I feel like I had been preparing for this for the past four years and the world now knows my secrets. And uh, I managed through this for four years and now there are guides to working from an isolated place and how to stay home. And I'm just referring to these guides and seeing, hmm, this I did, this I didn't. So, um, yes, of course, the distress and the agony of seeing the world go through this uh, comes with what is happening now. But besides that, I think um, Pastor Blaise said this, that all of humanity's uh, problems uh, stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. And... Uh, mm -hmm. What is troubling us, yes, of course, there is this part of, of the uh, pandemic, but uh, we don't like ourselves as individuals and we are afraid of spending time with ourselves and afraid of what we will find if we are alone with long periods with ourselves. And it may be the same crazy us or with the negative and the positive aspects. 
but uh, we are afraid of facing what we will find and it may not be something very profound i didn't find anything too deep but whatever i found even if shallow i am kind of at peace with it uh, and it will be a revelation if we can if i continue this lifestyle uh, of how it goes forward but uh, i think what what uh, is troubling people a lot uh, in this uh, lockdown is uh, being alone with themselves and they want to distract themselves from their own selves were there too many selves <laughs> no i think that's all the selves I, i mean obviously there's i think the for folks that i know the financial strain right of having lost work and the uncertainty and that's the other aspect of it i i'm with you ajita i love hanging out with me all day long i'm good right i I'm one step from Hermitville, but um I've you know Woody and I talked about this last week with Ayn. We are so fortunate because we're in a position where we have not yet lost our work, right? And we also, you know, we live in um in in a privileged society that we're we're able to enjoy finding the bottom of Netflix and the paychecks still roll in and it's it's um for us I guess a lot less stressful than many who are in you know, long lines for food or um they don't know how they they were going to make their rent right so i think there's another aspect of it and the third for me nobody asked was the people you're keeping company with and with whom you're in self isolation right i i They, think yeah. the horse lawyers are going to be busy at the end of this thing <laughs> they might be they might be but you did we were talking the other day and you you mentioned that the only thing for lack of a better word that you're having to distance from are the the birds outside your window can you paint us a picture of, of where you're living because you you made it sound like uh isolating isn't i don't want to say that hard but you're just you're in the middle of of nowhere is that is that accurate that's very true so i live uh, 10 feet away literally on the banks of the river sangha and uh, there are trees everywhere it's right at the heart of uh, congo basin so i am in the forest if i zoom out uh, there is just when we take off from the bush plate that we use here in this company oh. it's just kilometers and kilometers of green and green is not one color is something i realized here it's millions of greens and uh, the the forest takes over if you don't keep it uh, uh shaved and cut and proper within a week and we have had folklore here when people have left their organization two weeks or or a month and the forest has taken over uh completely wow. the houses and the machines and everything else so it is really the wild uh and birds are loud loud you wake up thinking what issues have they got to discuss this morning at 4:30 could in the wait a few more minutes so there are trees totally taken over by birdness has anything changed in your day to day you have obviously this awareness of what's happening in the world but has it directly affected your your day to day living in a situation of of where you live there is a huge responsibility of the whole village on the company that i work in with uh, because we are protecting the village because uh, it is the biggest uh, employer the only and the biggest employer in this in this part 
So all my work has completely been taken over by translating from English to French to Lingala to Bengali, the regional languages that are spoken here. And everybody doesn't read and write in this part of the world. So we have had to make audio messages and uh, video messages without audio or, you know, just which are self-explanatory. And um, organizing for points for washing hands. And so we are, the people who are working here back here right now, are really saving the, so we are in the, in the eye of the storm and we are trying to just keep it at bay because I don't know what happens when uh, the virus comes on this side of the river because uh, it will be a little difficult. We are really, really far away from the capital city. Do you, do you have a lot of, of foreign visitors in that village? Does, do people frequent it or is, are you literally isolated from this issue right now? Isolated. So the people who visit here from a different country are people who are visiting the company. So right now it's under control because uh, the country has stopped uh, flights from other countries and the domestic flights are also uh, on hold. So we are able to, but it, it arguments here the problem because uh, we, it, it's a river country. There are so many rivers and rivulets and so people use uh, pirogues. I don't know the English words. I know the French word. Uh, the canoes, the small things, boats, the banana boats, and uh, that's their way of reaching to places. And uh, you can't really control a river route. Uh, so there is no monitoring, but the only thing we can do is spread awareness about this thing. And uh, here, people, uh, the salutation is the greeting, how they greet here is touch their forehead three times, the left, the right, and to the center. So culturally, to tell them not to do this because this is one of the reasons the virus is. So there were a lot of cultural challenges when we were trying to explain what is happening and how it will spread and uh, what should you do so, to prevent it. Wow, that's fascinating. I think I'm going to read a lot more about this because that's I, these are I've, Corey, I'm learning so much. I didn't I didn't even know there was another Congo first of all, and now all these little little stories. I mean, this is kind of one reason why we decided to do the show is just to learn about. We had no idea where you were living, but. This is exactly, I think, what we had in mind, just learning about different little communities and how they are responding or handling or navigating or whatever word you want to use. And, and that is, that's fascinating. I have nothing else to say, but that's, that's fascinating to me. I have a vision yesterday. And again, my first world relatability is, is pretty weak uh, because we were out looking at condos. And I, <laughs> as I was going from neighborhood to neighborhood, I noticed that there's this growing sense of like borough tribalism um, worried within these major city centers if you're coming from and going to an outbreak area. So as we're looking at different things, people were looking at us definitely like we were not from this neighborhood and wondering what we were doing there because there's actually been travel restrictions. So for some reason in, in my little brain, as Ajita was describing a banana boat coming you know down river into the village, that's in a way how I might have felt in my Mercedes going into a condo complex. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. I hope none of this makes it into the podcast. I feel pretty pretty embarrassed hey i heard it's zero seconds to 30 minutes and everything that's in stays here <laughs> what happens in the congo stays in the, stays congo, in the congo but not that congo, <laughs> so congo. 
are you there for an indefinite term or do you have like a, a contract or how what's your intent there uh, I, so there is no obligation it's a choice i initial first few months were very difficult because i you know you you are told certain things and you think okay this is what i'm signing up for but when you land there it everything is intensified and uh, i didn't know i had this kind of resilience in me to adapt this culture and the culture adapting me uh, allowing them to adapt me in the region adopt me in the region so uh, it's been four years now i thought i will not last a year or more uh, but i speak french now and i'm doing some cool work and i have a lot of friends here locals and otherwise some expatriates and it is a community and i have never worked with people whom i stay with so it's this giant community of uh, cultures there are portuguese french um, someone from madagascar uh, um india and uh, it is this samples of many countries within this micro environment you're selling it really well and it's really painful because nobody can travel right now so we nobody can come visit but you're i don't know if there's a tourism board in your community but you should start one and because you're selling it very well and if you leave a little early to go somewhere you might just have to go slow because there are lowland gorillas crossing the way so <laughs> it has happened <laughs> We we have a region in northern Montreal that uh, is similar. Gorillas? Well, <laughs> gorilla so glue. You, you say that I mean you're there and it's voluntary, but if there are no planes out, how would one leave if they chose to? So let me tell you door to door. <laughs> I'll take a car from here to the point which is 60 kilometers away from there I can cross the river. because uh, you just can't pick up a boat and just cross because there are moving sandbanks on the river so today it might be deep but tomorrow your boat might just crash into the sandbank so there is someone who keeps checking that place for people to cross i'll go there i'll cross the river then i'll go to a small airport which is 15 minutes away it's a bush plane it's a 22 seater kind of plane um and then i'll take that plane to the capital city brazzaville i'll wait overnight there then i will take how long is that flight uh well the distance is 800 kilometers but it's since it's a low flying aircraft it takes two and a half hours oh, okay as the crow flies <laughs> exactly or <laughs> <Our> slower <laughs> and then i'll take a overnight flight depending on the route to addis ababa in ethiopia or paris in france and from there i'll take a flight to new delhi to india uh, which is both uh, eight and a half to 11 hours depending on which route which leg sure sure from there i'll take another flight to the airport close to my hometown from that airport i'll take another car to reach my home so it's a three day affair Wow. So save the the river crossing. I I don't imagine that Expedia puts that trip together for you. Kind of real, yeah. Corey, I'm kind of tired. Maybe we can do that tomorrow. Today it seems a bit much. It's a little early. Uh I could go into my app though and see what it would take. <laughs> that seems like an Airbnb adventure. Is there is that like a, a you know, a banana boat 
expedition that an Airbnb? We maybe? have a we have a houseboat. It is actually an Airbnb because the team oh, here yeah. built a houseboat. We do rent it out. You have to reach here, then it's all yours. <laughs> to get there first. So that I mean, people, I, I understand the idea of of getting away from the hustle and bustle of a big city. Corey and I both have done that and, and you've done that and I think everyone understands that. I can pretend to imagine what the hustle and bustle of New Delhi or Mumbai is like. You seem to have gone the exact opposite in the extreme um, direction, but you're you're happy with that choice? You don't want any kind of middle ground? Yes, I do. I miss coffee shops. I miss bookstores. I miss getting a haircut. I miss uh, going to malls and buying vanity stuff, uh, which has nothing to do with existing uh, movies and uh, meeting people, uh, new people. Uh, I do miss that. I feel that I retired too early. And actually, this year was a year when I was wanting to make a change. Uh, but uh, the situation right now, uh, I feel I, I'm really blessed to be here right now because I don't know the challenges that people in big cities and my family is in some of the big cities in India and my colleagues. And I understand it's a challenging uh, environment to be living in, even if the house is big. So here I'm able to go running in the forest still. Uh, because there's no one and it's just us. So we are not home quarantined. And uh, it's a blessing to feel the sun on, on your face and uh, being out in the open. Do you have any concerns of wildlife when you're out running in the in the forest? Because <laughs> maybe I have a naive vision of this, but I, I, for one, would, in the Congo, be concerned about getting up and going for a jog. I understand that. And that's what was my thought that uh, because because where we are, uh, we do actually have gorillas in and around. Uh, the interesting trivia is that animals don't like human beings and they don't want to have anything to do with them. So even if they see you approaching and in the forest, you always have more than a pair of eyes on you. So you are always being watched where and how you don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> you can keep going, doing your business and come back. And uh, I cannot guarantee this, but uh, so far I'm alive to tell the tale. So. Right on. Yeah. Maybe leave that off the Expedia page. Maybe. I don't know. that. <laughs> I think that's an Airbnb feature. There yep. are always eyes on you. <laughs> you won't see them, but they see you. And the proof is the fresh poop, elephants or mm. panther or wild buffaloes or hog or... I'm glad you said that because we're, we're making some jokes about animals. But really, I mean, Africa is a huge continent. Are, what are the, What is the... The diversity of animal, so elephants, buffaloes, what else? If you just, within, let's say, a kilometer of walking outside, what, what could we encounter? Let's, let's sell this. Let's make, a, let's make an Expedia trip here. Let's, mm-hmm. what, what can we do? Um, not a kilometer because this is a, a city now, right now, of 10,000 people. Um, okay. So within, within a periphery of five kilometers, there are small camps in small localities. Um, but uh, it depends on which direction you're going. So if you're going towards the village, then you're all fine. But if you digress and if you're going into the woods or taking the river route, uh, there are pink hippos and uh, there are gorillas, of course. Uh, Elephants cross. This is a big part of elephants. 
so these are the big ones uh, but these are lowland gorillas not the mountain gorillas which you find in virunga and uh, i'm sure you didn't know there are two kinds of gorillas either i, I no let's just say no i didn't i'm going to say no <laughs> <laughs> so yeah these are um, lowland gorillas not mountain gorillas it's a flat region so these are called silverback and uh, Um, there are plenty. It's the highest density here, and birds. I want to say I love them, but uh, well, there are too many. Why are they so angry? Why why are there so many angry birds? <laughs> I think it's my cultural interpretation. I think they're just happy and fine. It's just that I don't speak the bird language. I'm sure they're just okay. discussing what breakfast to make in the morning and uh, who is picking up the kids today. Uh, <laughs> Well, perhaps if you stay longer, bird language will be another one in your repertoire. Probably. Repertoire. Repertoire. I already <laughs> speak mountain gorilla. I don't speak <laughs> lowland gorilla, though. Yeah, that's a problem. Okay. Well, um, I'm Corey. And I'm Woody. And I'm Ajita from the other Congo. <laughs> And this is the ISOcast. Okay.